Welcome to Public Health Out Loud. So public health for the public. Today, we're thrilled to be talking about treading through the health insurance landscape. What do you need to know? I'm Dr. Jim McDonald, Medical Director Rhode Island Department of Health. I'm Dr. Phil Chan. Thank you everyone for joining us. Dr. Chan, always good to have you in. Today, we have a guest today. We have Director Lindsay Lang from Health Source Rhode Island. So Director Lang, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's fun to have you. So yeah, so welcome. This is a topic that's actually near and dear to my heart personally. Certainly as a practicing physician, um, I feel like I actually uh, navigate through the insurance uh, industry a fair amount, uh, certainly with the help of a dedicated staff. But before we dive into that, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Help us to get to know to know you. Where are you from, for example, and maybe some things you like to do outside of work. I have to start with, I'm not a native Rhode Islander. Um, I moved to Rhode Island almost 10 years ago, and I did so to join the team uh, in Lieutenant Governor Elizabeth Roberts' uh, office that was working on implementation of the Affordable Care Act and uh, specifically working to uh, develop a state-based exchange for Rhode Island under the ACA. Um, and later I had the chance to join HealthSourceRI as their legal counsel and uh, the rest is history. I served a couple of different roles for HealthSource until more recently becoming the director. Um, but before Rhode Island, I have spent time, I came here from Boston and before that spent some time in Washington, DC, Pennsylvania and New Hampshire. So a little bit of everywhere in the Northeast region. So I have to ask where you were in Pennsylvania because I used to live in Pennsylvania too. Do you mind sharing where you were in Pennsylvania? Sure, T two different times. So I spent a little bit of my childhood outside of Philadelphia in a town called Erdenheim. Um, but I also did my undergrad in uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania uh, at Dickinson College. Wow, there you go. I'm sorry, did you actually say Jodenheim like in the Marvel movies with Thor? Erdenheim? Erdenheim? Okay, sorry, I got it wrong then. Okay, just asking. <laughs> If there's a connection to Thor, I'd like to know. That's all. That's good. That's all. <laughs> I lived in Lewisburg for seven years. <laughs> and I had to ask about the New Hampshire connection. I actually grew up in Concord, New Hampshire, uh, where I went to high no school. Kidding. And, uh, what's your New no Hampshire connection? Kidding. Well, I grew up there. Most of my childhood was spent uh, about halfway between Concord and, and Lebanon uh, off of 89 in a teeny town called Wilmot Flat. So talk about rural rural medicine. Um, we had about 900 people, but the town that most people know is New London or Warner. Yeah, great, great, great. So as, as we chat a little bit today, I think, you know, Health Source RI is kind of new to a lot of people. And I think I, I was just curious how it fits in with other states insurance exchanges. And I'm not even sure everyone even knows what an insurance exchange is. I, you know, I've only learned about them recently. So can you talk a little bit about that, please? I'd be happy to. So we, um, an exchange was created under the Affordable Care Act. It's one of the big pieces of the ACA to make the connection between health insurance products and potential enrollees. So we are sort of a nexus. We are a marketplace, an exchange, whatever you want to call us. We've been called a couple of different things uh, since 2010. But our goal is to connect Rhode Islanders with high quality, affordable health coverage, and in so doing, to reduce the rate of uninsured in Rhode Island. Um, in Rhode Island, we have a state-based marketplace, which means that we built an exchange and run it for ourselves here in Rhode Island. Other states have chosen to rely on the federal platform 
something that was built for many states to tap into. It's basically an online application, eligibility, and enrollment engine. That's sort of the, the most basic idea of what the exchange is. It's uh, not just a website to go to to learn about health coverage, apply for it, and learn what you're eligible for, but we wrap around that with in-person assistance. We have a call center where we provide customers service in applying for and enrolling in health coverage. So what is the uninsured rate in Rhode Island and nationally, if you know off the top of your head? So in Rhode Island, we have, uh, we track this every year. We're currently at 4% uninsured, so we're at a 96% insured rate, which is very good. Um, It has gone up a little bit in 2020, as we've seen, there have been many impacts to um, how people connect with health insurance this year, um, but certainly not quite as bad as you might expect. We were at 3.7% last year, and, and that's risen a little bit this year to 4%. And that seems really fantastic to me, right? I mean, is that, I mean, I know that Massachusetts uh, and they have a, a model there that allows a lot of people to be insured, but where do we compare nationally? Like 96%, is that the best? It's not quite the best, but it's pretty close. So we we hover uh, around one of the top states in the nation for our insured rate in Rhode Island. Great. One other thing, uh, just to comment on, I think, you know, with the Affordable Care Act and it uh, being implemented uh, earlier here, um, I think one thing that we've seen the rise of, including personally, are um, things like co-pays and deductibles and co-insurance, et cetera. I wonder if you have any comment on that. I think one of the things that I think really affects um, certainly my patients and, and, and just on a, on, a, on a community level that we've seen is that a lot of people are struggling with some of these um, other payment options. Just wondering if you have any thoughts about that and any solutions or what people should know or if they find that they have really large co-payments or deductibles, how they can, uh, you know, how they can address that. Well, uh, it's a great question because this is actually something that we hope to help customers with eventually. I, I will admit in the early days of the ACA, we really envisioned HealthSourceRI having more capacity to help with that decision support aspect of buying health insurance. Health insurance is incredibly complicated, and yet it's one of the most significant purchases that consumers make for their household every year. And I think there's a lot of improvement to be made in helping bridge the gap between just making that initial purchase and uh, making an informed decision about the best type of health insurance plan for you, and then really understanding how to use it and using it to, um, you know, using it in the best way to take care of of your healthcare needs and and that of your family. Um, I think, uh, that is one of the roles that HealthSource uh, RI does and can play, um, which is decision support. So we are an unbiased source of information. We offer healthcare plans through um, two different carriers who are certified to offer plans uh, through the exchange. And when customers contact us, uh, we're not just helping them with their application um, to enroll in coverage, but then walking them through decision support to help them understand the plans that are available, compare them, and then ultimately pick the one that best suits their needs. And that, as you mentioned, may be a a higher deductible plan with a lower monthly out-of-pocket expense for the premium. It may be a plan that costs a little bit more each month, but has a lower deductible. They're, you know, therefore helping you manage your overall risk over the course of the year that you'll have higher out-of-pocket expenses. 
And then we've also seen an increase in HSA compatible plans. So health savings account plans where you may have a higher deductible, but you're also able to contribute uh, tax deductible money towards an account that you can use when you have to spend towards that deductible. Yeah, I'm thrilled this is out there because I think health insurance is really complicated. Like, I think you're talking about one of the most significant investments anyone ever makes. Like, you know, it's funny, like, when I'm going to go buy a car, I might take a couple of years figuring out what I'm going to do. So I got a lot of things to do here. But I think, you know, buying insurance is actually much more complicated than buying a car. And it's really much more important. Like, when you think about what puts someone's financial assets at risk, health problems, access to the medical system really is one of the most significant things that might put you know, my personal wealth or anyone's personal wealth really at risk, isn't it? Definitely. And we have seen the um, sort of to that point, one of the goals with the ACA was to reduce the, um, not just the rate of uninsured, but the number of families whose um, financial security were being put at risk by being uninsured and seeing families go into bank medical bankruptcy because they were not covered or were covered with plans that were, um, really inadequate to to meet their needs and help them manage that risk. Yeah, that really leads to my next question, which was how has COVID affected health insurance and, and the health insurance exchange in Rhode Island? What have you noticed with that? Well, one of the biggest changes that we've seen, and this is much to the, not to my credit, but to, to that of our health insurance commissioner's office and the governor who took a very quick leadership role in ensuring that telemedicine could be covered. Um, and that it must be covered by our insurance companies in Rhode Island. Um, so anything that would be medically appropriate and that would be normally covered under uh, the insurance product should also be covered uh, via telemedicine. And that's been really important this year as we've seen um, some uh, medical offices need to, to shut their doors for periods of time. Um, but that, of course, doesn't mean that the medical needs go away. And in fact, some have been exacerbated by uh, folks choosing to not get that, that uh, medical care uh, during certain periods where COVID rates have been so high in Rhode Island. Telemedicine has been a big piece of that. And I think you've just seen uh, the foot on the gas pedal this year, making sure that that piece of the puzzle was in place for um, for the insured in Rhode Island. Um, I think some of the other changes um, will, uh, will come in terms of, or I guess we've seen with respect to coverage of testing and treatment of COVID-19. So there you've got leadership from the federal level and then also at the state level, making sure that um, consumers are covered when they seek uh, testing and treatment of COVID-19. And then we'll see the same with um, vaccinations, hopefully in, in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, so that's great. So, you know, so much of my life at the moment is divided into pre-COVID and post-COVID, I think, for most of us. Uh, but pre-COVID, um, I've done a lot, and I still continue to do a bunch of work in the, in the HIV, STI world, a lot of um, uh, infections, infectious diseases of public health significance. And uh, I think one thing that we've seen um, uh, is that we know, for example, things like HIV and STIs, and of course, even COVID-19, are really affecting uh, uh, populations that tend to be underserved. So um, those that may be of lower socioeconomic status, right? Those that may be, um, have less means in general. And I think uh, in the HIV STI world, uh, you know, one of the number one barriers that we've seen is, is the cost issue. So for example, um, and I was talking to some of my colleagues about this the other day, 
you know, for sexually transmitted diseases, which are on the exponential increase, uh, we've, you know, there's recommendations out there to screen people every three months. But you can imagine um, that some, you know, even a single test for an STI, and we recommend screening for multiple, can cost upwards of 100, 100 bucks out of pocket. So you can very easily imagine, um, not, if not having insurance um, and having to be tested multiple times a year, if that's a recommendation, that that bill could add up pretty quickly. So just, and I think, you know, due to the state leadership, and I think to your point that the uh, that some of the leadership has really stepped up for SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, um, and really tried to reduce um, uh, all the payment and insurance and cost issues. Um, and that's really facilitated things like testing here in Rhode Island. So I guess one, one of my questions would, would just be for the for people that may be listening or have questions, if you had no insurance or maybe even had a really suboptimal insurance uh, at the moment, how would you, like, how do you even get started looking at options? What do you, what would be sort of your ground level uh, advice for people to kind of just start to explore. And I think keeping in mind too, mm -hmm. some of the things that you're talking about, for example, I have an HSA. I'm going to admit, I'm not even sure I've used it once. Um, so all these different processes, I mean, I get confused and I have a master's degree, medical degree, all these degrees. Yeah. Um, and I, I get confused at times. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that we expect uh, people, you know, community level people, uh, people, uh, you know, who are busy, people uh, who may have literacy problems to really navigate some of these barriers. So I'm just, what, what would be sort of your ground level advice on just how to even get started looking into this? Yeah, well, that's what we're here for. So I would encourage people to contact HealthSourceRI. That is our reason for being. We're here to help people understand um, what they may be eligible for and to connect them with that coverage. So we have a no wrong door policy in Rhode Island that was decided early on in the implementation of the Affordable Care Act to make sure that, because to your point, typically people don't know, oh, I, I think I might be income eligible for this, or I think I might land in this program or that program. No wrong door approach in Rhode Island, which means you contact HealthSourceRI, We'll ask you the questions that we need to determine your eligibility. You may be eligible for Medicaid, so co uh, coverage that is at no cost to you. You may be eligible for a commercial plan, so one of the qualified health plans that we offer through the exchange. You may be eligible, as 80% of our customers are, for financial help each month to help you afford that plan. Those are called advanced premium tax credits, um, and that's... Uh, significant financial assistance uh, provided to consumers through the federal government uh, to help them make their insurance premiums more affordable every month. So no matter where you fall on that spectrum, including just eligible for a plan with no financial assistance, we'll connect you with that coverage. We'll ensure that you're getting all the help that you need to make it affordable. And, um, and we're also here as things change throughout the year. So we've just been through and continue to experience a year where many, many Rhode Islanders have lost their job. Um, they may have reduced income. They may have lost a wage earner in the household. Um, we're here. As those changes occur, you can contact us. Your eligibility may change. So coverage may be more affordable than you think. Um, and so we will, again, we're, we're here to help Rhode Islanders connect with coverage, be it no cost to them or coverage with some financial assistance to help make it more affordable. So Director Lang, does every state have um, an insurance exchange? Is that something you can find anywhere you are in the United States? 
It's true. Um, every state was required to have an exchange under the Affordable Care Act, but states have taken a different approach to that. Um, like Rhode Island, there are about 14 other state-based exchange models um, that have decided to build and run an exchange for themselves. Um, and I think there are about three other states that are currently making a transition from what we call the federal platform states. So using that federal um, exchange model to deciding, you know what, we really want to build and run our own exchange. So you see states like Maine, Virginia, New Mexico starting to make that transition. Um, and then three others use the federal platform, but run the program at the state level. Um, we've seen some momentum towards using the SBM model over the last couple of years, and I think that's because the evidence has shown that running a state-based exchange um, has great benefits in terms of control over policies, marketing, outreach, um, plan management, so that relationship that you develop uh, with the qualified health plans that you offer on the exchange. Um, you have you know, more control over your data, which is always a good thing. Um, and then stability. So we've just been through four years where you've seen um, a lot of attacks on the Affordable Care Act, a lot of destabilizing actions. Again, having a state-based exchange has enabled us to play a little bit of defense and um, take some proactive steps to stabilize our insurance markets in Rhode Island, and ultimately uh, keep plans affordable for Rhode Islanders. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I agree. It's certainly uh, complicated, and I agree that uh, wonderful resource to have here. Let me ask you just to even step back for a minute here. This is a question I've always wondered about, and I'm sure this is the literally billion-dollar question, but uh, what are your thoughts on fixing the U.S. healthcare system? I mean, you're on the inside here with a unique perspective, and I think there's always so much out there in the news about the Affordable Care Act, and you know, you know, it's about to be struck down. It's people are trying to fix it. What are the solutions? So, um, so I know there's no easy answer, and don't expect you to have it. But just from your perspective, sort of on the on a on a with your lens here through the insurance um, uh, uh, exchange here, what are your thoughts on how we could really fix the U.S. healthcare system with regards to insurance and, and paying payment? That's a great question. It, it is, in fact, a million-dollar question. I, I think you have to start with the fact that the U.S. healthcare system is a patchwork system, and it's ultimately built on a system that began through employer-based coverage. So it inherently favors those who have jobs where health coverage um, is sort of a mainstay part of the employee benefits, right? Um, and then in addition to that ESI, we call it employer-sponsored uh, insurance, you have the Medicare program, the Medicaid program covering aging Americans and then Americans with no or low income. But that leaves some pretty big gaps. Um, those with moderate income, those without a tie to ESI, those with um, maybe a gap in coverage, changing circumstances, just like you saw in 2020. Um, the ACA did a lot to try to patch those gaps, um, namely through expanding the Medicaid program to uh, moderate income adults who do not have children, um, and also through tax credits, which we talked about earlier, um, that make coverage more affordable for Americans. Um, but there's a lot more to do in terms of affordability um, and access for those who remain ineligible 
uh, to enroll through Medicaid or through the exchange. So namely undocumented uh, immigrants and those who haven't been here for uh, the requisite five years. So they do not have access to Medicaid. They do not, they do not have eligibility for the tax credits that ultimately make insurance uh, attainable. So now the question is, um, how do we build on what we've created with one hand and then with the other hand sort of address the underlying um, drivers of cost in the system, which is also, you know, I guess the billion dollar question. Um, you often hear about the amount we spend on healthcare in this country, some unsustainable and growing percentage of our GDP, and yet in the same breath, we're lamenting that the health outcomes in this country are, you know, lagging behind other developed nations. So part of the calculation always has to be um, how do we address the underlying uh, drivers of cost while also increasing access and affordability. Um, and I think that that's really going to be up to the new administration. I'm hopeful we'll see some new opportunities to address affordability on the exchange, address access. Um, so some ideas are to look at uh, how we're subsidizing coverage for low and moderate income Americans um, and at the cliff that has been left uh, where you hit you know, a certain income level and you're no longer subsidized to buy coverage. I think we can also look at the transitions between Medicaid coverage and coverage on the exchange. We call that churn. So people who are frequently experiencing changes to their income, changes to their household that cause them to go back and forth between those two programs or perhaps uh, becoming unconnected to coverage uh, altogether. And those are missed opportunities. Um, so I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done and a lot of exciting, uh, you know, opportunity uh, in the coming years. Director Lang, it's been fun having you on Public Health Out Loud today. Thank you so much. There's a lot to learn in treading this insurance landscape, to be sure. So, you know, one of the things I'm just thinking about, and I think it's just a, a thought I want to end with is health insurance is so important if you know if someone really is sick no matter who you are i don't know anybody who likes being sick and I, you know when i'm sick i feel so powerless and just the fact that i can go to somebody with my health insurance get the care i need and not worry about that that is a big thing for me it's just a great source of peace and so i think you know anything we can do to help everyone have adequate health insurance is just so critical and so basic to just um, being a human dr chan what is the final word for today Great. Thank you, uh, Director Lang, for joining us. Uh, in closing, I just leave everyone with this moment of Zen to consider throughout your rest of your day. And here it is. If you light a lamp for somebody, it will also brighten your path. Thank you all and be well. So thank you. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald, Medical Director of the Rhode Island Department of Health. We want to thank our guest, Director Lindsay Lang, Carol Stone, our Technical Director, and Jose Garcia, our Executive Producer.